All right, rambling on. This yeah. is rambling on a podcast about literature, yeah. books, yeah. and various other points of interest. Of interest. Yeah. Poi. Poi. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Points Poi. of interest. Yeah. Person of interest. Yeah. That's a no, show. That's good. Yeah. Rambling on. Here we go. Um, episode. I think we're episode seven. Really? Volume seven, episode seven. Wow. Whatever. Volume one, mm-hmm. episode seven. Yeah, how many Technically. episodes are in a volume, do you think? As many as we want. I know. Twelve. <laughs> okay. Twelve per season. Twelve volumes per season? Twelve episodes per volume. Volume, yeah. which is also a season. <laughs> yeah. okay. Yes. Okay. Right. We call it season. That's what everybody else... Netflix says season. I don't want to be like Netflix. We should, I want to yeah. be different. I want okay. to be like the Starbucks of podcasts. Huh. How's that? So we'll call them editions. Editions. Yeah, did you hear Did you hear about Rambling On, edition one? Yeah, <laughs> there are some 12 episodes in that one. That does sound kind of special. We could do special editions, like mini editions. Yeah, yeah. Where you have three episodes per edition. Okay. We could those, do those manifests. <laughs> portfolios. Okay. That's very Starbucks. I like that. Yeah, this is our first manifest yeah. or portfolio. <laughs> and we're going to do five episodes. Yeah. You know? Just yeah, saying, it's different. It's good. Yeah. All right, well, anyway, so we decided to talk today about movies mm-hmm. because we like movies. We do. <laughs> and uh, what. We also like books. Um, there's two questions. We may get into more, but yeah. first question is, I think, was what movies are what movies are good or accurate representations of their of books, their respective books. Okay, you want to go first? Wow. Okay. Go first. You want me to go first? Yeah, go for it. Um, <clears throat> movies that are accurate. So first of all, to qualify, I don't think. Any movie can be totally accurate. Totally. Or be. So it's what's h- our working definition of accuracy? Yeah. <laughs> we should have talked about this before. No, I think We can talk about good. it here. So maybe there's a couple different ways. So it's either like everything that... One way to define it is everything that happened in the book happens exactly yes. that way in the movie. Yeah. The characters say the same stuff, mm-hmm. same lines. Yeah. Um, scenes are more or less okay. the same. The flow of the book. Flow of the book's essentially... The main point, all that. Okay. So you could say that's like the... Would that be like literal accuracy? Like it's literally... Literally accurate. Yeah. In the details. The details are accurate. So maybe that's more precise. Is it precise? Yeah. Or the accurate, like maybe some things are structured a little differently. Yeah. Some of the dialogue is slightly different. Mm Mm-hmm. Think liberties are taken, but yeah. it's still like you get the 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 essence. Yeah, it's like the essence accuracy, the essence of the book. Yeah, the story is all there. Okay. Same feel, the same themes, the same. Yeah, maybe it's like the the movie had the same goals in mind. Yeah, even though. So there's those, um, and then I would argue because they're they're so different. Like there's a lot that that's similar between yeah, yeah, books yeah. and movies, but because one you're dealing with visual, mm-hmm. visual storytelling. Um, 
just by nature it's it's the medium is the message or it's the it's all that stuff of like yep. how you tell the story okay yeah affects like the content totally. and affects yes so they're two different mediums and so you just can't tell the same story you can't do the same exact thing yeah, in a movie well, that you would do in a book so the the way you describe <clears throat> is so different because yep. you're not yep. describing with words anymore you're describing with pictures yep so like i you know you think of if you're setting the scene in a in a book you're telling everybody what the scene looks like right if you're setting a scene in a movie you're just showing that scene yeah so uh, yeah and so then from a literary standpoint like the poetry of describing something yeah and writing mm-hmm. is lost yeah in yeah. a sense like you might capture some yeah. of it well because it totally depends on what that person's going to pick up when they're yeah. watching the movie yeah whereas you force feed people what they need to pick up with books yeah so yes totally yeah and then like any similes or metaphors you'd use yeah are kind of lost mm-hmm. or mostly lost i think in a movie so i'm just thinking of paradise lost <laughs> yeah um and like the the epic simile the simile mm-hmm. used in epic poetry so he'll say like the in paradise lost satan and all the fallen angels are on the lake of fire and they're like climbing out of the lake of fire mm-hmm. onto the whatever land is there yeah, in yeah, the yeah. setting of the story you know so and it describes satan's um his spear as like a felled Oh. Pine from some yeah. Norwegian mountainside. Okay. Yeah. And you have that like yeah. in that description. It goes on longer. Yeah. I think it also then says like or like the mast of some great Greek right, ship or right. something. So you have this picture where you're picturing Satan's uh, spear that he's holding yeah. as like a kind of like a Roman warrior or something yeah. like. But you also have images of like dark, mm-hmm. stormy. Yeah. Scandinavian it's like mountainside. This mythical and... explanation for Yeah. Okay. So you're thinking of like the dark pagan mythologies yeah. of the Norse yeah. and like the yeah. stormy seas with a ship's mast all contributing to that image of yeah. the spear. So there's that like you you just show someone in the movie the scene. Mm-hmm. And you can't quite get that stuff in there yeah. the same way. So um so accuracy I will say now that we're when I answer the question like well but (laughs) now it's like rabbit trail to get around to the question as we're talking about like can you do the same things the same way I think there are a few movies that make like the best attempt at it yeah one that comes to mind is The Great Gatsby okay with DiCaprio that I think because Fitzgerald's descriptions have you read Great Gatsby? no okay so like the Roaring Twenties yeah, and yeah. all the like the jazz scene and the parties and stuff yeah. like that, he gets really poetic. Yeah. Some of the best descriptions in yeah. English literature, American literature mm-hmm. for sure. And I think the way the movie does that, Boz yeah. Lerman and all directed it and all that stuff, it captures I think mm-hmm. a lot of what the poetic descriptions do and make you see. Yeah. When you imagine it, in so the it's book. funny because when I watched, I've watched Great <clears throat> Gatsby. So coming from that perspective, yeah, I think we talked about it before. Maybe like in passing, but like, like I, I watched it and I thought this is just way too fantastic. Yeah, There's yeah. There's just too much going on, <clears throat> but that makes sense now that you're talking about it because it's trying to capture the essence. Yeah. Of, 
the book. Yeah. Which is awesome. It's yeah. great. Yeah. The way he describes like the lights of the party and then the parties at Gatsby's house and Nick yeah. at the other house, like looking over. Yeah. At like what's going on over yeah, there. Yeah. And there's a like the first time he describes the parties at Gatsby's in the book, he says something like the party goers went to and fro mm-hmm. like moths oh, okay. to light. Yeah. You know? And so you yeah. have this sense like of the, you know, watching, like looking yeah. kind of creepy, but <laughs> like watching the party through the trees, like right. wishing you were over there and seeing yeah. the people go back and forth. Reminds you of moths yeah. fluttering around a light. But then you also have that sense of like the, moths drawn to the light the yeah. people drawn to the parties this yeah. rich guy is throwing and why right. and what so but it, yeah I think the movie because it's so fantastical like that it gets it was an attempt at let's actually make people see what they see when they read the book right. let's make them see it on screen so um, so other other movies that are really good or accurate so it um, seems like our working definition is kind of formed to what movie captures the essence of the book that it's trying to portray. Okay, yeah, I think that's better. Yeah. So right, that, would you agree? Yeah. That's maybe the better. So, because every movie should. <clears throat> if it just doesn't hit the main point, like, then it, it's not even really. Different. Yeah. Like, it's just a whole different take on a movie or on the book. Yeah. But if, if it's capturing the essence, then it's going to try to highlight the things that the book highlights. Right. So it seems like with Great Gatsby, it's accurate yeah. because it captures a lot of the essence of the book. Yeah. Okay. And I think, going back to that then too, like they pull all that like R&B type music and modern music yeah. into it. Yes. That some people debated, you know. I like, think that was they a do great that? choice. It was awesome. Because that brings us into it. Yes. People who don't, re- like, you know, I'm not saying that the 20s didn't have good music. But to right. me, I'm not going to go out there and just listen to 20s music. Yeah. I, to me, it's more powerful if you're mixing what I like or what I hear as hip and yes. roaring in this yes. movie. Yes, that's it. So That's totally it. Where you watch the movie and you feel what you're supposed to feel. Exactly. Because of that. Yeah. It's not just like a period piece about the 20s right. and the jazz music. It's, yeah. There's more to that story than it being it's that. It's bringing it's, modern reader yeah. or watchers into the essence of the book. Yeah. Okay. I think that was another tool okay employed for cool. that and yeah so um so we would we would agree like we're looking for like that essence of yeah. the book not just like a accurate one-to-one yeah okay yeah and, and that a well-done movie adaptation is going to do things maybe a little differently because yeah. of that because it's a different mm-hmm. storytelling yeah. medium so <clears throat> couple that i would say um i know people don't like lord of the rings mm-hmm. <laughs> um a lot of people don't like what Peter Jackson did. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of the Hobbit trilogy. Okay. Yep. But the the Lord of the Rings trilogy that he did, as a pretty big Tolkien fan, um, and I think I said before, like I'm not a big fantasy guy, but mm-hmm. Tolkien is great literature. I yeah. love it. I you know it's okay. so good. Yep. Um, maybe one of the top like two or three greatest works in English language. I think yeah. of English I, literature. Yeah. Yep. So. Um, I think the movies captured something like they had to cut a lot out they had to streamline some things and shuffle the order and there's a lot that isn't there because partly I think Peter Jackson doesn't completely understand and didn't totally inhabit the mindset of Tolkien enough like maybe part of it is the Christianity that drove that story but I think he does capture something where you watch that 
first Lord of the Rings trilogy that he did. You don't feel this in The Hobbit, I don't think. But in Lord of the Rings, you get a sense of the epic, yeah, deep, weighty, yeah, you know, like eternal struggle, yeah, I in think the story. I agree um, that he he does capture the journey part of it. Mm-hmm. Like he he makes you feel like you're part of the journey. Mm-hmm. So that's great. You go step by step, and you see the things that happen. And he focuses so much on the characters. I mean, and. Um, not to the expense of everything else, but the one yeah. thing I, as I watch it more, and as I've read the books and I read those more, the one thing that draws me out of the movie so much is, and I, I don't know how to even like quantify this or co- explain it, but anytime a movie makes me feel like, oh, if only they had better um, effects, or if only they had mm. better choreography, anytime that happens, that just hurts my immersion into the story. Um, so I don't know when you stop thinking about the story and you're thinking about that so I don't even know how to like detail explanation of how he could have done that different but that's kind of the sense that I have through the whole thing yeah like um, it's like a numbed version of the books Mm -hmm. whereas with like you know we're talking about Great Gatsby like that almost seems like over the top but that's the point Mm -hmm. with Lord of the Rings and I don't know if you can even do this but I watch it and I just don't you don't have the you can't have the depth Yes. Of the books right. and the movie. And I'm not even sure right. how you would because maybe it's... Yeah. These aren't meant to be movies. Yeah, I don't think so. So maybe that's, that's part of it. That's right. <clears throat> I don't think Tolkien would have wanted yeah. those done necessarily. Yeah. And I know his like his son Christopher and his yeah. family that manage his mm-hmm. estate and all yeah. that stuff. I, I know they all just sort of despised what Peter yeah. Jackson did with the movies. Um <clears throat> Yeah, I say all that knowing like right. I'm kind of breaking my own. Yeah. I'm almost like offending myself saying yeah, that, but totally. I actually think I really appreciate what he did. Sure. With the movies. Yeah. I think it was like up at the tippy top of like yeah. the attempt somebody could have made. I think the best thing about that was the casting. Hmm. He did a fantastic job of casting that movie. And I think that's what made yeah. it as great as it was is that those yeah. Those characters embodied, for the most part, embodied who they were supposed to be. Yeah, that's um, that's very true. So I think for me, that's really what made the story um, was knowing that okay, at the end of the day, whether or not they have this scene or that scene, yeah. the characters are pretty true to what the book was trying to portray. Yeah. And so in that way, he captured the essence of the characters and their relationships yeah. and the way that they would act. Yeah. So I didn't ever feel yeah. like watching, you know. Um, Elijah Wood or you know, like I didn't ever watch them thinking oh no that, that wouldn't happen no I was like yes, yes this right. makes sense like he would make that facial expression he would do this you yeah. know he would walk this way he would even like man I watch Viggo Mortensen I don't know if you noticed this but when he's walking he walks with very long strides you can tell he's almost overdoing it hmm. because in the books that's the description of Strider. it he walks with a very <laughs> yeah. long stride yeah. So next time you watch, watch how he, it's almost like he's laboring to make this really long stride. And so I see that and I'm like, hey, this is exactly what I would imagine. That's funny. You know, so it it's things like that. that um, I was thinking about him too. Yes. I feel like he really made that move, those movies. Oh man, yeah. Um, But even in The Return of the King and his transformation from like the weather beaten, you know, the or the weathered. Yes. Um, yeah. Wanderer, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, in Strider, 
Yeah. But then the king who returns. Yeah. And like that he's an actor who can embody that. Yes. Or like. Yeah. He's the, the dirty travel worn guy, right. but then he becomes the king of Gondor. Yeah. And it's totally believable. Yeah. And totally. He, cleans up as that king yeah that you know the the glory of the king and he never changes how he acts yeah it's just that the context i don't even know how to explain his his weight gets bigger throughout the movies which yeah he's a weighty yeah he can embody the weight so that that. he definitely um i would say that's more of a testament to to vigo mortensen than it is to peter jackson but yeah so in that way i think um there were that's why that's why i say i think if if nothing else those movies were made by the characters yeah so um, yeah yeah so in that way they did capture the essence in that way um there were certain times where other things i just it's just hard it's hard when you're like uh yeah you know Mm -hmm. but that's why i think we go back to it and say i'm really glad we have the lord of the rings trilogy Mm -hmm. and i'll watch them Mm -hmm. forever but maybe these should have been done in a different way from the beginning yeah rather than just hey these are going to be great movies you know like no, let's actually turn them into something that works. So everybody loves the BBC stuff right now. Did you hear the BBC is making a like a mini series? Is that the one that's going to be on Amazon? Amazon or Netflix, one of yeah, them. Maybe Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. Um, I didn't know which the has BBC potential. was doing it. Okay. I, that's what I thought, but yeah. they have like a huge budget too. Maybe it is just Amazon doing it, like an Amazon original. I thought it was. I'll cut this out if I'm totally wrong. <laughs> I don't want to look bad. <laughs> um, These guys don't know what they're talking leave about. Leave all the ones that I'm wrong in. <laughs> yeah. No. But that has potential yes. to even be better yes. than Peter Jackson's. Because you have more time. Yeah. You have more time. And, and you, can, really... you can break it up into yeah. you know bite-sized scenes. Yeah. Um, and special effects are better now. Yeah. So. Which, y- y- there are things you just need. <laughs> I was thinking about that, another rabbit trail thing, but yeah. like the, the things... You get a story that's epic enough, you know, that yeah. deals with like on some grand mythological yeah. epic poetry type of a setting and you just can you really do it yeah. justice in a movie, even if you know, employing all of the yeah. CGI, like there's something that just writing those things and someone yeah. has to picture it in their mind's yeah. eye is always gonna be yes. grander. And like yeah. Paradise Lost is the same thing right. where John Milton was blind when he wrote it. Okay. And he dictated it out of his head. Wow, okay. And you have things, it's, people have said, like, there are things in that story that only a blind man yeah. could have imagined. Right. Or, like, the he's depth not limited and the, by what he's experienced. Yeah. You know. The abyss between heaven and hell and then earth somewhere in that mm-hmm. cosmos and, and yeah. the, um, the descriptions of, like, Satan leaving the confines of hell the hell of yeah. that set of that world he creates to go to the to earth to the garden of eden to tempt adam yeah. and eve and like the void he has to cross to get there yeah. and like you could portray that in some crazy cgi yeah. movie but you you won't feel it the same arguably right. so yeah that is a it is that is the big issue with any movie is yeah you're not yeah. you're limited by technology yeah. more than the imagination and the yeah. imagination is always going to trump technology and so no matter what you do you're going to have a picture of something that can't be portrayed mm-hmm. which is why you have to be so over the top so that people yes. can then dial it down on their own yeah you know you have to there's no other way you know and and some stories are just more apt um or i guess uh more 
ready for that kind of adaptation. Yeah. So yeah. I think of so it's funny you were saying the Hobbit. The more I watch the Hobbit, and this might be an unpopular opinion, I actually think the Hobbit was a better portrayal of the books. Now maybe not the third mm. one because the third one just seemed like it was off the rails. But the reason <laughs> I say that is the ridiculousness of the Hobbit I think is what Tolkien had in mind when he wrote it. I think it's supposed to be this kind of ridiculous story that does lay the groundwork, but is way less serious and deep than The Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. And so when I watch that movie, I get that sense of like, yeah, this is a big deal, but it's pretty lighthearted. And Mm -hmm. that's the whole point, right? Like if you were going to read a book to a child, it'd be The Hobbit for sure. Yeah. It wouldn't be The Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Maybe it would. But You're like the forest trolls and the big spiders and the... Yeah, everything. Narrow escapes from danger. There's always a little bit of playfulness and silliness, and I think that's the essence of The Hobbit. Yeah. And so... The dwarves at the 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 dinner and the singing and... All of that. And I think that's why I liked the movie. They were able to capture something. I think they went too far with it in making three movies out of it, but... I think their silliness was captured in that movie. Yeah. So, and I think you got such a good picture. Now, the only thing you don't do, and I don't remember if the books, how much the books focus on this, is you don't get a very good picture of all the dwarves in the movies. Yes. Yeah. And you yeah. kind of get to know yeah. all of them. Yeah. So, in the book. that's yeah. the only thing. You don't get to see that. <clears throat> you get, you know, you get a lot of Bilbo, you get a lot of um, Thorin, and, you know, right. that's kind of it. You know? Yeah. So, which. It's a good point. But. And maybe that's like the mastery of Tolkien yeah. too, of like having all these dwarves. Yeah. And you read the book, and you kind of get to know yeah. all of them. You sort of know their personalities. And yeah. And it's just hard to do that in a movie. Yeah. And now he didn't yeah. even do it in three, so that's like maybe that's why it's like <laughs> no. everyone kind of just is like, okay, yeah, that's fine. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Can I say one more to you? One more of movie. Course. Yeah. No, I'd I'd love to. Yeah. Lord of the Rings was meant to be just sort of a quick plug of like <laughs> I actually really do like it. The yes. other one is True Grit. Okay. The Coen Brothers, Jeff Bridges, yeah, Matt okay. Damon, Haley Steinfeld, um, which I love. John Wayne, I love John Wayne yeah. movies, and grew up like on all the westerns with my dad and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like the Rooster Cogburn, yeah. In, uh, have you seen True Grit? I have. Okay. So Rooster Cogburn, in John Wayne, like it's pretty unique, for him. Yeah. Um, but it's still John Wayne. Yeah. Being John Wayne yeah. in in a yeah. lot of ways, where, um, which is. At the time, like, I don't know who else you would have picked to play That's the that funny character. part, right? Like, we look at it now and say, no way I would have done that. But then really back then, that would be the only guy you'd pick. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. And uh, maybe it was a little bit more surprising, like, Jeff Bridges stepping into that role, which he'd already started to do a little more of the grizzled. Yeah. Like, um, he did the folk singer one. and the Okay, yeah. Big Lebowski was, like, yeah. his turning point of, like, I'm yeah. playing this a little yeah. bit older guy now. Yeah, edgy. Like, a little edgier, a little, little rougher characters and stuff. Um, sporting the beard, yeah, exactly. all that kind of stuff. But True Grit. So I, I saw both movies before I read the book, mm-hmm. and I loved the first one. Grew up with it, and then the one in two thousand ten, I think, mm-hmm. came out. Went to see it with my dad, so yeah. it was great. You know, we're gonna go see this western, and it was just like everything that you love about the story of the original yeah but with this new twist these characters yeah totally different embodiment of the characters yeah i thought but keeping the same feel and i still hadn't read the book yeah but i saw that coen brothers version and it just like was so moving oh, with the music okay. yeah in it the hymns played yeah. on piano um you know which you don't get in the 
the first movie you don't get in the book yeah but you have the girl mm-hmm. maddie mm-hmm. who is um in the in the book even it says she's a calvinist mm. she goes i was okay. a, a staunch calvinist yeah. and, I, and, and throughout she mentions like her trust in god god's yeah. sovereignty and it's a little bit in the like unfeeling sovereign yeah. god of calvinism totally but i think in a lot of ways it's helpful how how it is portrayed and she so then in the movie they bring in the soundtrack mm-hmm. that's like what in carter burwell the composer said like he had to think it through what would maddie ross hum what would she have yeah. known what music would yeah. she have known what would she what would come to right. mind for her when she's out she's out in the Cherokee Nation mm-hmm. with a bounty hunter hunting down the guy who killed her father. Yeah. For revenge. Yep. And um, what would she listen to? What What would right. she call to mind? And it's hymns. Yeah, totally. You know, so throughout the movie, it's they weave it in. Yeah. It, it, the, tis so, is it, what a friend we have in Jesus, and leaning on the everlasting arms, yeah. and they're woven in, and at the end, then is the the iris dement sings it over like the end credits oh, in the yeah, last scene yeah. leaning on the everlasting arm yeah so <clears throat> what what i thought and then i read the novel a few years ago and it was like probably the most accurate film like the literal accuracy of like points of the plot that happened yeah. just like the book for the most part with little liberties here and there yeah um but capturing the feel of this it's a it's a redemption story yeah and a christ figure in rooster cogburn yeah where he's like the he's like the isaiah 53 the right. man of sorrows yeah um and you have the contrast between him as the the unlikely hero right and savior and then the texas ranger who's matt yeah. damon who's like the polished yeah exactly like yeah. does everything right by the book yes by all rights should be the savior should be the yeah. hero and isn't it's yeah. the man of sorrows yeah. in Rooster Cogburn, who is a, he's a drunk. And yeah, totally. So it's not like this perfect Christ, literal Christ right. figure, but there's, it's kind of like the Lord of the Rings. Like there's so much there of the sense of a savior right. that you get as yeah. you watch it. And I, so I think reading the novel, it was like, oh, it's all there. Yeah. And then the Coen brothers took it mm-hmm. and made this movie where they wove in music and different things to make it how are we going to get that feel? We're going to do it in yeah. a movie. So we're going to need a soundtrack that the mm-hmm. book doesn't provide. Yeah. And we're, but they did it right. They did it all yeah. right. And so it's one of the best movie adaptations I've seen, but it's also like one of the most Christian movies I've ever seen. Yeah. That I just, it's so yeah. moving to me. Wow. Okay. Yeah. We can unpack that more if you want later, but no, that's really cool. That's I think one of the most thoughtful movie adaptations I've ever seen. Wow. It just blew my mind. Yeah. I have to go back and look at it because I've seen it once and yeah. I really liked it, but yeah, yeah. Um, obviously not with the eye of like analyzing it or, you know. It's awesome. But, yeah. yeah. Cool. So. Yeah. All right. So, so let's talk about the elephant in the room, Harry Potter. Okay. Um, Is this your favorite movie adaptation? No. Okay. It's <laughs> not. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, so I feel like with that one, the one that they did, I would say the best movie adaptation they did was probably <clears throat> Prisoner of Azkaban okay. or Half-Blood Prince. I think in both of those, and Half-Blood Prince even had some weird moments. 
Prisoner of Azkaban is probably the best adaptation they did because it it was the turning point in the whole series, obviously, in the book and in the movie. So they captured that essence of like, oh man, this is a whole different world, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah Voldemort yeah. was, you know, he's Voldemort, like, mm-hmm. great, but oh wait, this is, you know, and that, they even brought that into four a little bit too of like, there's a bigger danger here than we thought, but I feel like yeah. four. And a bigger history yeah. involving that. Yeah. That extends beyond what you thought it right. did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, but I felt like it captured the darkness of, okay, things are about to turn yeah. way more serious than... And the book totally, yeah. the third book, exactly definitely does that. Yeah. Where you... And the first two, I think the movies did a really good job of, and they were like verbatim, book to uh-huh. movie, like exactly the same. So, I feel like, the, and those are shorter, so it's easier to just do that, to just, here's right. the book, you know. Yeah. The one thing I thought about... Harry Potter 1, 2, and 3, I feel like, is it was one of those rare cases where the characters of the movie, and I think we've talked about this maybe even on uh, our podcast, is that the movie characters actually developed the book characters. Oh, yeah. Better yeah. than J.K. Well, in fact, Rowling actually followed the movie characters. She well, you said, yeah, started writing to yes. Snape. Especially Snape, yeah. yeah. Like, the book Snape changed. It, and it was a minor shift, but for a character, that's a huge... You know, for any character yeah, yeah. to change fundamentally is huge. Yeah. Because um, so you have someone how, in mind. Exactly. Who is Who embodies them. Right. It mm-hmm. almost would be like... Uh, I would imagine, and maybe this is irreverent, but that the Great Gatsby movie would change how the next Great Gatsby book would be. I don't, and maybe that's like totally out there. That's just a super hypothesis that no one will be able to fight me on because it's not possible. But, yeah, like assuming it was a series. Yeah. And the movie comes out before yeah. a volume of the series right. comes out. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so like I think that's – and that to me is a very good – in fact, that might be even like the best type of movie is the one that captures the book so well that it actually changes – or even uh, it's like it starts benefits. interacting with yes the writing of the books yeah, yeah yeah it shifts it and in a good way and not in a bad way because I feel yeah. like the Snape of the movies is a better Snape hmm. you know and and maybe people yeah, would yeah. disagree with me on that but I think uh, to me um, Alan Rickman's Snape is better than the the character in the book yeah so yeah, yeah. I. Just, I've got to read those again yeah because i loved them oh yeah you know, and I, I read the series before the mm-hmm. last couple movies came out okay yeah um and i thought yeah the, i thought the third book so i saw prisoner of azkaban and then it started i think between that and the fourth movie yeah i started reading the series yeah so <clears throat> before yeah before i saw azkaban i didn't know what happened or anything right. so i thought like oh really cool third movie yeah i really exactly. liked it and then i read the book and i thought oh like that was really good yes there's so much more in that book and it's really not that long compared to the no. later ones but there's so much more in yeah. it that they don't get into right. in the movie but yeah. pretty brilliant how they give you yeah little tastes yeah of what actually is unfolding yeah. like the whole time yes um yep the time travel thing and I remember that being so much more involved and brilliant in yeah. the book yeah but you get just enough of it yeah in the movie right. that um but yeah I, I thought Alan Rickman 
like what a good subtle mm-hmm. character yeah. he he portrayed. It's just yeah, yeah. So. kind of like yeah, I think that'll endure probably as a great mm-hmm. role yeah for an actor. Oh yeah, um, the guy that you hate that seems like the villain that's yeah. concealing the right yeah the goodness and the almost like heroic. He was almost forced into the anti-hero role. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. he's the hero, but he's also not. Like, but not because he, that's who he is, which he is, but it's because he has to be that. Yeah. He's being yeah, who yeah. he has to be. That's interesting. So that's a, that's a tough one. He, is it like the thing unfolding? The story that's unfolding is bigger than yeah. him as an individual? Is that what it is? Maybe. Or yeah. it's like... I'm called upon to do this yeah. thing. Well, I think, and it's bigger than me, yeah. and I have to do it. Is that what I, I think? <laughs> there's a really good case. I don't know. Someone. I wonder if anyone's ever like read about. It. I'm sure someone has. It's been a while. That the biggest hero in the book might even be Alan, like hmm. is Snape. Yeah. There's one to chew on for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like him being the protector of Harry Potter the whole time, and purely out of love for someone who's been dead <laughs> yeah you know yeah and yeah. then doing exactly what he needs to do to facilitate um this road to an eventual conflict yeah so and then hiding it the whole way and you know just i think there's a really good case to be made that he is the ultimate hero of the book interesting so there's something for i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna chew on that <laughs> yeah so Anyway. Big time. Yeah, other than that, I mean, I can't think of any others. Like, it's hard because I think even, uh, what was it, a while ago, 10 years ago or something, they came out with The Chronicles of Narnia. They came out with three of them uh, Lion, Witch of the Wardrobe, Prince Caspian, Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Um, I feel like The Lion, Witch of the Wardrobe, it's impossible to get wrong. So, even then, like, I think the, the biggest downfall is that it was just the casting. It was just tough. I thought, yeah, I thought they did really good. I thought, um, well, anyway, like that happened at a time like when Disney was in transition yeah. too, where it was like, mm-hmm. we're going to start down this path, yeah. but then, <laughs> and it's, then it's, it's sort of like, what what happened with those? You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Where'd they go? Yeah. And, uh, and now it's been so long. I mean, yeah. you either got to redo them and there's yep. rumors about that, right? Of continuing yeah. the, yep. continuing the series, but that's unfortunate when you. It's like you get, you start to get something really good. Yeah. Um, well, and you can even tell that it, it must not have been as impactful as they wanted because nobody stops a series three out of, yeah. what is it, seven. And, yeah, yeah. You know? It's a hard series, too. And this all this stuff is easy for us to say because sure. we're like, we're our deep opinions about armchair our philosophers right now. <laughs> yeah. Pod philosophers. Sheesh. Phil Pod. Pod philosophers. <laughs> pod philosophers. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Chronicles of Narnia is hard because they're also they they're connected, but they jump around and mm-hmm. the timeline shifts. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like that whole Narnian time is not time on Earth. Yeah. Factor where Prince Caspian, right? The story is it, it's advanced. Yeah. It's been like a thousand years since mm-hmm. they were or whatever it's been. Yeah. Or the castle's all abandoned and yeah, overgrown, yeah. and um, and so it's. It's not like 
like Lord of the Rings, you start with the first book and it just flows mm-hmm. right into the next, you know. Yeah. And you have your flashbacks and things like that. Yeah. Like an epic story will do, but I mean, it just, it's it, it's all this one cohesive story. Yeah. With the beginning and an end mm-hmm. as it is, this part of his whole yeah collection of tales and stuff. And um, where Narnia, it's like, do we jump to... Yeah. From Don Treader to the Silver Chair. Yeah. You know, How and it's like that. Yep. And some of the characters reappear and things like that, but it doesn't really flow into it right. cohesively. Yeah. So Yeah. It it would it's definitely it difficult. You have to develop it as a single unit. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know, I'm sure that that was their plan. Yeah. To make it as a single unit, but yeah, yeah. it also seemed like they were just doing a movie at a time, you know, mm-hmm. and that's always tough. Mm-hmm. If you're doing it that way, then you're going to miss a lot of the, the themes and the connections, and yeah. you're going to highlight things that aren't necessarily the big highlight. Yeah. Know? Yeah, so. and not, not to be a complainer, but we just watched Voyage of the Dawn Treader for the first time. Yeah. Like, everyone loved it when it came out. It was yeah. like, you got to see it. And, like, some of some of Lewis's Christian themes are there, like, more yeah. clearly than any other ones. you got to see it. We just never did. And then someone gave us a copy of it. Yeah. And so probably like a year ago now we watched it finally mm-hmm. and it's pretty good but it's also like out of the three the cheapest cgi <laughs> yeah. used and stuff where i go oh that's just that's just a shame yeah where and i'm reading voyage of the dawn treader right now yeah on kindle again and i'm like oh what an amazing book well it's the odyssey right reimagined yeah. in yeah, yeah. narnia totally and so you've already got such a good story yeah, it's almost just plug and play. Just show us with all these know? echoes of yes, this grand, grand mythology. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that was a bummer to me. Yeah. Where like this, this could have been really yeah, just an awesome movie. It's sort of like yeah, yeah. Of of the three, like I mean, yeah, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I think yeah, you everyone you knows what it's gonna one. be. It's, yeah, you know, it is what it is. Like it's yeah. it's gonna hit home no matter how you do it. Mm-hmm. Prince Caspian. It's hard to capture the essence of that because it's hard to even like, okay, what really is this? What is this story even about? You know, like, yeah. it's hard to even imagine it from the... It's sort of a simple, like, battle over the kingdom story. Yeah. On, on the surface. But you know it's like somehow you think it's inconsequential because you're like, this is just the second book. Right. Like there's seven, you know, yeah. like, whatever it is. Seven and, of them. Yeah. So what actually could be happening here? Yeah. I know we're not going to go full back to everything being great so like right. what's the point you know and then you go to Voyage the Dawn Treader and it's it's the same way but it's a better story yeah you know it's really compelling yeah exactly <laughs> you know all of it with the what Eustace right becoming uh-huh. a dragon like yeah all of that and being just, his transformation yeah uh, you know so. and redemption and stuff like that yeah so anyway yeah that's we could revisit this. Yeah, that'd be maybe. good. I, uh, there's a little preview of coming attractions, but we brought up one of our first couple episodes, right? The Avengers and Infinity War and all that stuff. Yeah. And you had some really good stuff that I'm still thinking about. Oh, about really? About the conflict in Infinity War. Oh, yeah. But, like, we're... I haven't seen all the movies, and we're watching through them with our kids. So um, I'm piecing it all together, but... Yeah. At some point, that'd be fun... To talk about oh, like yeah, that that totally. big narrative happening, yeah. especially with with whatever happens with Avengers four, yeah, 
and Captain Marvel and all that stuff. Like, yeah, there's gonna be a... what happens to this? Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, just as we were talking, thinking of films, like that's kind of the big. There's always in any any era. It's like what are the, what are our myths? You know, what are our grand stories that are dealing yeah. with sort of the right cosmic struggle and the origins and yeah our you know our humanity and i feel like yeah. right now it's star wars and yeah. the marvel universe unfortunately star wars <laughs> and harry because... potter it's like those yeah blockbusters have sway yeah they do in our um kind of like you go what our culture what are our stories well and it's funny because those all, are our stories all three of those even even it's funny oh man this is this is why have we been talking for 30 minutes? Because just now there's like so much that I... Um, the interesting thing about all three of those, and then even like I thought Star Trek was going to do that again because they even yeah. kind of popped on the scene, but then they fizzled out a little bit. Yeah, and they were um, doing such a good job with those. But it's interesting. With, uh, you look at those four, J. J. Abrams. and all of them have deviated from the original story. Mm-hmm. Star Trek flipped the story completely. Right. Star Wars, the... They basically said everything that was written before doesn't exist anymore. It's not canon, is what they said. Yeah. Um, Avengers, they've they've changed the storyline multiple times. Yep. Um, and then what was the other one? Oh, Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Rowling continues to change the story. Yeah. Right. Like. Yeah. Everything. It's and so it's such a and springs things about our characters yes. on on us. And so and... it's just such a good picture <laughs> of the way that we as a culture interact with literature. Is we separate, and it's funny because uh, we anyway we separate the author, the original author from the story in order to do what we want with the story, and yeah. then J.K. Rowling is the exception that proves that role, not because she's doing the opposite, but because she's doing the same thing to herself. She is ripping her own meaning out of herself to give it new meaning. Right? Interesting. Like when you read those books before, and I think everyone will resonate with this if they're honest, nobody thought the things that she says now. Nobody uh. did. But now she's going back and changing what she meant originally. And that's such our culture, is the way that we take literature and we separate it from the original. Uh, and that's, I mean, this is this goes into Bible because it's how we interpret the Bible as we do this. We separate the author from the meaning and we give it our own meaning. Mm-hmm. And then we play it out in our lives. And so we're seeing yeah. great stories being separated from their original intent, and maybe not completely, but enough to where it fits us now. And I think that's good in a sense because there's we need to do that. But it's also a total sign of how we interact with literature in our culture. That's funny. Is we totally separate the original, the author from his work. The intent of the author. So. Yeah. Man. Gosh, sorry. No, no. <laughs> But yeah, it has such a Struck big a impact on how people read the Bible, and that's yeah. what it all comes back to. And it's like where meaning is fluid. Yes, and it, it's a uh, dude. I just read about this for last week when we talked about Canon Revisited. Yes, you know, I brought up, and um, going back through all my quotes from that that I saved, and that that was Karl Barth's whole oh theory of inerrancy yeah. and then the authority of the New Testament was. Yeah. It doesn't have authority in itself. Okay, yeah. As it is, it's it becomes authoritative as God uses it. Yeah. As any modern yeah. reader in yeah. any or any reader in any time period takes it, reads it. Yeah. Interacts with it and then God actively in that moment works through the words that maybe are inerrant yes. or are are 
in error. Yes. And not not consistent with itself, right. not whatever. They're right. written by fallible people. Yeah. But it becomes inerrant as God works and speaks through it now, right. which is super dangerous. Oh yeah, totally. Because ultimately you're not making God the authority, you're pretending you're using his authority to make yourself the authority. You're using yeah. Um, your a own good we didn't talk about this reader response. I didn't theory. say anything about this last time, but when we were talking about theological books that are really good, mm-hmm. um, Kevin Van Hooser wrote a book called Is There a Meaning in This Text or in the Text? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you read that? I have not or read it, familiar but with I'm it? familiar with it. He, the first like few ben chapters. Hoos. Yeah, the Hooser. <laughs> <laughs> the first few chapters are, it took me forever to read them, but just so good because it's all about the philosophy of a text. Okay. Yeah, and the yeah. author's interaction with text and the fact that the author's authority needs to s- stick. And it makes hmm. a lot of people try to say that once the author says something, it's dis- it's disconnected. But in reality, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> the author is intending more than just the simple saying. Yeah, He's intending a response. Whether we like it that way or not, but everything we do intends a response. Yeah, yeah. Now, it could be as simple as just having someone listen to us having someone act a certain way, believe, whatever it is. But anyway, so yeah, uh, it's interesting that some of the biggest works right now in movies are born out of this postmodern interpretation of any literary work or hmm. something like that. So, yeah. Super interesting. Yeah. So anyway, wow, the rabbit trail. There it is. Of all rabbit trails. That's why we're that's rambling. Why, that's why we're rambling <laughs> and why... Reading matters and literature matters and yes and the, why uh, and how you read and how you watch and so, yeah yeah cool all right more on this later I want yeah. to talk about that more later yeah some more more of that theory of meaning and reading it's great etc so all right thanks everybody yeah thanks for rambling with us rambling with you later. Okay. <laughs>